MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, June 11th, 2020. Today, Judge Reggie Walton has finished reviewing the full Mueller report and he has some questions for the Department of Justice. Netflix apparently secured trademarks for the Space Force logo before the military could. The head of the police union that offered to hire cops fired for misconduct has been suspended from the force. And amid confusion, the World Health Organization clarifies that COVID can be spread by asymptomatic carriers. And the amicus curiae deadline in the Flynn case was today. I'm your host, A.G. Hey, everybody, it's A.G. I am taking a half day today. So Jordan and Amanda will be bringing you the headlines, news from under the radar, and of course, the good news block. Uh, I will be interviewing one of the filers of an amicus curiae brief in the Flynn case later in the show. You don't want to miss that. And I hope you'll all join us tomorrow for our happy hour Q&A live stream. Our theme is Pride. It starts at 4 p.m. for patrons, 5 p.m. for the public. Those times are Pacific because we are on the best coast. Uh, We have a packed show. So without further ado, let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Hello. Welcome to Jordan's Corn Beans. I have got a bunch of a bunch of headlines for you today in the A block, so I'm going to get right to it. Uh, Today I'm starting off with a story coming out of the House Judiciary Committee. There was a hearing today that happened, and it's on YouTube if you want to look it up if you didn't catch it earlier today. But there's a lot of powerful testimony in there, all centered around police brutality and how Congress needs to legislate and respond to that. Just a bunch of people pleading members to listen to what's happening around and listen to the people and change this in a way that is coming from the top down because apparently it's not happening. It's obviously not happening. The systemic racism continues. So there was uh, many, many powerful speakers and I wanted to play the clip that was the most powerful uh, for probably most people. And it is a clip from George Floyd's brother, talking to the committee. So let's play that. Chairman Gerald Nadler and members of the committee, thank you for the invitation here today to talk about my big brother, George. The world knows him as George, but I called him Perry. Yesterday, we laid him to rest. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do. I'm the big brother now. So it's my job to comfort my brothers and my sisters, Perry's kids, and everyone who loved him. And that's a lot of people. I have to be the strong one now because George is gone. And me being the big brother now is why I'm here today, to do what Perry always would have done, to take care of the family and others, I couldn't take care of George that day. He was killed. But maybe by speaking with you today, I can make sure that his death would not be in vain. To make sure that he is more than another face on a T-shirt, more than another name on a list that won't stop growing. George always made sacrifices for our family 
and he made sacrifices for complete strangers. He gave the little that he had to help others. He was our gentle giant. I was reminded of that when I watched the video of his murder. He called all the officers, sir. He was mild-mannered. He didn't fight back. He listened to all the officers. The man who took his life, who suffocated him for eight minutes and 46 seconds, he still called them sir as he begged for his life. I can't tell you the kind of pain you feel when you watch something like that. When you watch your big brother, who you looked up to your whole entire life, die, die begging for his mom, I'm tired. I'm tired of pain. Pain you feel when you watch something like that. When you watch your big brother, who you looked up to for your whole life, die, die begging for his mom, I'm here to ask you to make it stop. Stop the pain. Stop us from being tired. George called for help, and he was ignored. Please listen to the call I'm making to you now, to the calls of our family and the calls ringing out the streets across the world. People of all backgrounds, genders, and races have come together to demand change. Honor them. Honor George and make the necessary changes that make law enforcement the solution and not the problem. Hold them accountable when they do something wrong. Teach them what it means to treat people with empathy and respect. Teach them what necessary force is. Teach them that deadly force should be used rarely and only when life is at risk. George wasn't hurting anyone that day. He didn't deserve to die over $20. I'm asking you, is that what a, is that what a black man is worth? $20? This is 2020. Enough is enough. The people marching in the streets are telling you enough is enough. By the leaders that in our country, the world needs the right thing. The people elected you to speak for them, to make positive change. George's name means something. You have the opportunity here today to make your names mean something too. If his death end up changing the world for the better, and I think it will, then he died as he lived. It is on you to make sure his death is not in vain. I didn't get the chance to say goodbye to Perry while he was here. I was robbed of that. But I, but I know he's looking down at us now. Perry, look up at what you did, big brother. You changed the world. Thank you for everything, for taking care of us when on earth, for taking care of us now. I hope you found mama and you can rest in peace with power. Thank you. It's just so incredibly sad to hear him talk about what that's like. Not being able to say goodbye to his brother. The, I mean, these are things that are unfathomable for someone that hasn't gone through it, which is many, many people in America that are not black. 
And I thought that was incredibly brave and powerful of him to come in and talk today. And so did uh, pretty much all the speakers that followed, for sure. So definitely check out what happened in the House Judiciary. Fucking hated seeing some of those old Republican faces sitting down on that committee. Gives me impeachment PTSD. Hate it. Hate them. Vote them out. They're the worst ever. Fucking horrible people. But I love seeing the Democrats. Great job. Great job, as always. Um, All right. Next story I'm going to cover comes out of the Justice Department, uh, or I should say former Justice Department. 1,250 former Justice Department workers have signed onto a letter on Wednesday today calling for... Uh, the agency's internal watchdog to investigate Bill Barr's involvement in their move last week to push those peaceful demonstrators back from Lafayette Square using the horses and tear gas for Trump's photo op. So now there's a massive official call coming from previous officials, which is something that has happened many a times throughout Trump's presidency so far. And... Unfortunately, uh, I don't know how much tangible change those letters wind up resulting in, but they should keep happening, and I'm happy and glad that they are happening because we're at a point in time right now where you have to state very clearly what side you are on and advocate for what needs to happen after this point in time. So I appreciate them doing that. I wish that there was... uh, I wish there was some provision that was like, if enough previous people that did the job without being completely entrenched in controversy say you're fucking up, that should mean something. But obviously, this is not a well thought through suggestion. But wouldn't that be nice, though, when you think of a situation that we have now, which is just completely incompetent leadership in so many positions? There should be some sort of reverence for the past when things weren't as bad. Don't get me wrong, they still fucked up a lot, and I'm positive there are many names on that list that are not perfect people at all, but... I do think it's really important to listen to them, and I wish there was a more official way of uh, that being required, that they be listened to. But alas, that does not exist, at least as far as I'm concerned. Pretty positive it doesn't. That would be kind of crazy, actually, and maybe not desirable. But right now, for now, I wish that they could take the reins instead of Barr's Justice Department 1,000%. Uh, Next story I have is coming out of Louisville. So Louisville's Metro Police Department, they released the incident report for what happened with Breonna Taylor, which was murder. Um, No knock raid. They came in in plain clothes. They got shot at because they're presenting as intruders because they are intruders. They busted through the door. They violently entered the wrong house. And then they got shot at, and then they fired back, and then Breonna Taylor was murdered. There's no other way to slice that story. That is exactly what happened. And they revealed their police report from that night, and it's almost blank. And it has a bunch of incorrect information also. It's four pages long. There's apparently no narrative detail about what happened. It said that Breonna Taylor had no injuries... 
It said she had no injuries. She died of gunshot wounds from the police. And the police report says she had no injuries. Even though she was shot eight times. How? How is that something that is on that document? How are they not putting the utmost care and respect into making sure every single detail on that document is consistent and accurate when somebody died and was shot by police? It completely baffles my mind. It baffles me. Someone who had read it commented, I read this report and have to ask the mayor, the police chief, and the city's lawyers, are you kidding? This is what you consider being transparent to taxpayers and the public? And I echo that sentiment wholeheartedly. That's unacceptable. More unacceptable conduct by police. The newspaper suing the police department for the investigative file for the shooting um, Detective Joshua Jaynes, he was the one who applied for the no-knock search warrant that was served at Brianna Taylor's apartment. He's been placed on administrative reassignment while they're looking into it. Um, Louisville Police Chief Robert Shrou- Shrouder said, Questions have been raised by the Taylor family, their attorneys, the postal inspectors, and others about how and why the search warrant was approved. As a result of those questions, I have placed Detective Joshua Jaynes, who applied for the warrant, on administrative reassignment until those questions can be answered. Um, Not enough. Shrouder's not doing enough. Call him, by the way. Look up his number. Robert Shrouder. There's a S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R. There's a whole list of actions that people can take right now to get Louisville to hold the people who murdered Breonna Taylor accountable. And one of those actions is by calling him um, along with the mayor and call and demand that they do that immediately because the response to Breonna Taylor's murder has not been as swift as the response to George Floyd was in terms of holding the officers accountable. There's work to, there's a vote on ending no-knock raids that needs to happen um i mean we talk about no-knock raids like in the Mueller report right with like white collar crimes that shit i'm all for fucking get those motherfuckers before they can get on a helicopter to haiti that's no concern of mine but when they're implemented against black people in entirely unfair ways that result in people getting murdered by police or at the very least injured by police traumatized by police there needs to be a way better solution to whatever problem they're trying to solve with the no-knock raids it's just like you just hear story. This is just one story. You hear story after story after story of of this kind of thing happening. It's a no-knock raid. It's uh, getting pulled over because you were profiled, but they say it's for some other bullshit reason. Just all, all these bullshit reasons that make it so there's an aggressive police response 
intersecting with somebody who is innocent in a way that never warrants them getting injured or losing their life not in the stories we're talking about and those are only the ones that we hear there's so many more that we don't hear fucking do better everybody next story i'm gonna talk about is i'm gonna turn turn this train uh pull it into trump station which is disgusting. It is a disgusting place. On Wednesday, the White House is defending Trump's tweet. That was that. Uh, that was the conspiracy theory about the 75-year-old protester in Buffalo that got pushed and then started bleeding out from the back of his head. Uh, his press secretary came out today and defended him left and right. Uh, Trump's tweet, as a reminder, said... I watched. He fell harder than was pushed. Was aiming scanner. Could be a setup? Question mark. Suggesting that that man is Antifa and him bleeding out of his head was all set up. So he got asked, uh, or she got asked, the press secretary got asked, what, I don't know, if he's going to like backpedal on that. If he, if he regrets any of that, and uh, she said the president was asking questions about an interaction in a video clip he saw, and the president has the right to ask those questions. Look, we're living in a moment that seems to be reflexively anti-police officer, and it's unacceptable to the president. Ding, ding, ding! There you go! Police unions support him. The only reason why he is coming out and saying this is because it is one of the groups that helped secure his election in the first place outside of Russia, if we can call them a group. But that's what that language is. These people give us money, and I have to be nice to them and not hold them accountable at all, otherwise I may lose said money. That's the only thing that's happening. Uh, but she just said some fucking crazy things. She refused. She refused to say that it was a baseless conspiracy. She said... She said explicitly, it's not a baseless conspiracy. No, not at all. I won't acknowledge that. She just won't. She won't acknowledge it. She's actively promoting conspiracy theories from the fucking White House, dude. That's so crazy. That's so, 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 so crazy. Unprecedented, unacceptable. That is the motto for this administration. President Trump also tweeted, uh, and his press sec confer, uh, affirmed, that Trump's not going to support the efforts to rename the U.S. military bases that honor Confederate generals. He is refusing to. His tweet said, It has been suggested that we should rename as many as 10 of our legendary military bases, such as Fort Bragg in North Carolina, Fort Hood in Texas, Fort Benning in Georgia, etc., these monumental and very powerful bases have become part of a great American heritage and a history of winning, victory, and freedom. They lost, bro. I That is the easiest joke to make. Victory, winning, victory, and freedom? The South lost. Not enough. But they lost. You couldn't say three words that were further from the truth. This man, this fucking piece of shit romanticizes 
the losers of a battle that was fought in an attempt to eradicate racist, murderous psychopaths, and he is romanticizing them and wanting to preserve that history. There's no other way to interpret that. It's fucking insane. Correct me if I'm interpreting that tweet in a in a wrong way. I don't I don't think so because I think the gist I'm getting is exactly the gist he wants people to get. He went on to say the United States of America trained and deployed our heroes on these hallowed grounds and won two world wars. Therefore, my administration will not even consider the renaming of these magnificent and fabled military installations. Our history as the greatest nation in the world will not be tampered with. Respect our military. Am I missing something? Are are they... Is not the only reason they're being asked to to take a look at that again is because it harkens back to dark times in our nation's history? Am I... I'm, I'm not missing something, right? That's... That's uh that's really the the simple cut and dry answer that's what's happening, right? How is it not I don't I will never understand anybody's ability to navigate refusing to take down Confederate monuments of any kind, whether that be symbolic or physical. And somehow delineate themselves. It's somehow separate themselves from just being straight up racist. What merits? This is a larger discussion. What merits does that shit have other than it needing to be taught in schools so we know about that history and then put that shit in a museum? Why does it have to be in spaces that are public, triggering? painful he's such a racist ass troll another racist ass troll uh larry kudlow his economic advisor his chief economic advisor is the latest person to come out saying that he doesn't believe there's systemic racism in the u.s he said that i don't believe there's systemic racism in the U.S., I'm not going to go into a long riff on it. Yeah, please don't. Please. That's a That was the exercising good judgment, white man. I don't want to hear your fucking we're not racist riff. But he kind of went on one anyway. Um, he said, we do believe that returning to growth and prosperity creates opportunities for everybody. I think the harm comes when you have some very bad apples on the law enforcement side. What was done to Mr. Floyd was abysmal. Abysmal. I believe everyone in this country agrees with that. But no, I think scholars like Heather McDonald and others have rebutted that. Nope. Not possible to rebut. Rebut. Is that a verb? Rebut? I never hear it on its own. It sounds wrong. It sounds like a but for a second time. These are rebuts. They're twice the asshole for sure um but yeah meandering joking aside it's just another guy that's in his circle that's a fucking racist i just can't believe these people uh are coming out and saying it like 
to believe we live in a post-racial society is obviously a belief that's held by a lot of people, like, clearly. Um, but it, it's just crazy to me that that they're saying those words out loud. And honestly, I'm I'm glad that they're saying those words out loud for this one reason, mostly uh, not glad, but glad so that people, that racists and these post-racial-minded fucking... I don't even believe that they live in a post-racial mindset because I think they're still just actively racists, but... But assuming they are, like, yeah, I want to know who those people are to know who actually thinks that so we can get them the fuck out and do whatever people-powered things we can do so that that person is never able to govern again. It's obviously harder with advisors like that, but just completely, yeah, unacceptable. Uh, My final story comes out of Minnesota. So, Minnesota police chief has announced planned reforms aimed at addressing officer misconduct. Um, and part of that is includes the, the immediate withdrawal from ongoing contract negotiations with the local police union to pursue rules that would make it easier to terminate officers who act inappropriately. And on that topic specifically, he said, quote, I believe I speak for my chief peers here in the state of Minnesota, as well as across our country, that there is nothing more debilitating than when you have grounds to terminate an officer for misconduct and you're dealing with a third-party mechanism that allows for that employee to not only be back at your department, but to be patrolling in your communities. So, just throwing it up right on the wall. Police unions are the fucking issue. One of the issues outside of racism. It's a mechanism for racism at this point. That was a lot of headlines. Uh, last really quick, kind of good news headline. It is it is good news. It's just like a smaller form of good news, but good news. NASCAR announced Wednesday that they're banning displays of the Confederate flag at all of its events and properties. Follow NASCAR, Trump. Come on, can't you do that? That's your jam, right? Or that's the jam you're pretending to have while you pretend to be people that like NASCAR. You're more of like a greyhound dog racing type, I imagine. But uh, if you could just put on the nascar hat and get on board with them that'd be that'd be amazing but you won't because you fucking suck and that is my a block everybody stick around with us we got more headlines coming up with the b block and uh, some stuff that kind of flew under the radar so see you in a second after these messages we'll be right back hey everybody it's ag and today's episode of the daily beans is brought to you by better help is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals you feeling anxious Uh, having just some issues you want to talk about, BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in less than 24 hours. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. Everybody needs a little help from time to time. I have personally sought help for my PTS, and I highly recommend seeking help when you need it. BetterHelp services are available for clients worldwide, and they have a broad range of expertise in their counselor network. And and that's great because, you know, these, these experts might not be available to you locally in your area, but, you know, you can log into your account anytime with BetterHelp and send a message to your counselor. You get timely and thoughtful responses, and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions if you don't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with traditional therapy. Like... 
which is great because first of all, we, we need to stay home if we can. Second of all, I just don't like to be out and around those, those folks sometimes, especially when I'm looking for counseling. So BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So they, they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you need to. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Financial aid is available. So visit betterhelp.com slash daily beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. Get 10% off your first month. So visit betterhelp.com slash daily beans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, Jordan here again. I've got some more headlines for you. Uh, a federal judge who previously said that Bill Barr distorted the findings of the redacted Mueller report has confirmed that he finally got to read the unredacted version uh, and he wants answers from the Department of Justice regarding certain redactions of the Mueller report. This is District Judge Reggie Walton. He has been overseeing this case. This is uh, the BuzzFeed case and... He said that um, he remarked on how the the pandemic has thrown a more than thrown a wrench in the matter and continues to do so. But he said, having read that full report, he made it really clear that some of the questions um, the D- the DOJ can't answer remotely. So there's going to be a in person hearing that's going to address that. Of those questions uh his direct quote was having reviewed the unredacted version of the Mueller report the court cannot assess the merits of certain redactions without further representations from the department however because the court must discuss the substance of the redactions with the department and because such a discussion cannot occur remotely due to the lack of a secure connection between the court and the department necessary to avoid disclosure of the redacted information it is hereby ordered that's in all caps, that the status conference currently scheduled uh, for June 18th, 2020 is vacated. So Reggie Walton's got some questions and we'll see how they try to get out of that one, the DOJ. Um, Another headline, the president of the Florida chapter of the Fraternal Order of Police has been suspended with pay from a local sheriff's office pending the investigation into his Facebook post that was offering to hire police officers that were fired for misconduct. Uh, We talked about this before. His name is Bert Gammon. He's a lieutenant with the Brevard County Sheriff's Office and president of their FOP. Um, Yeah, that, that was in direct response to, I mean, really a lot of the calls to fire officers for misconduct, but it reached its height after the people, um, the officers in Buffalo resigned in solidarity with the two officers that were suspended after pushing down the old man. So, that guy sucks and is now being, that post is now being investigated, um, which I believe is good news. I'm trying to think. I'm so skeptical before I call anything good news now. I always try to think of the angles that could come back to bite us in the ass on it, but an investigation into that Facebook post is good news. Him being suspended is good news. Him being suspended with pay, uh, that's annoying. And 
again probably a union thing but i really feel like there should be some pretty cut and dry rules on not being able to make a post like he made but alas he still stands and is getting paid um my next headline is coming out of who a covid19 headline so there was kind of a lot of controversy controversy that was sparked after they had uh, a representative had said that the, the covid19 spreading via a symptomatic transmission was very rare there was like a huge blowback from that because previously it had been reported that asymptomatic transmission was a huge huge problem so now basically uh, they scheduled a press conference which they normally don't do they only do them mondays wednesdays fridays but they arranged it on tuesday and it was pretty obvious that the point of that was to address those comments saying you know hold on hold on it's it's still definitely you can still transmit it for sure when you're asymptomatic don't run away with those words that you previously heard basically just doing some backtracking there and finally for some schadenfreude headline-esque news, Space Force, the Netflix show, apparently they actually have more trademark rights currently to Space Force uh, than the president does, which is beautiful. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter reported that Netflix secured trademark rights to Space Force in Europe, Australia, and Mexico, and the Air Force only owns a pending application for registration in the U.S. So, officially, uh, Netflix, the show, has more trademark rights than the U.S. military in terms of this new branch that they are supposedly going to open. So, there you go. Um, that is the blee, the, the blee block. Blee block. There you go, Mac. There's some more Jordan fucking up words. Um... Everybody, thank you for listening. That has been the headlines. And stick around because right after this break, AG has an interview with Andrew Torres. So stay with us and uh, you'll enjoy it. Thanks. Hey, friends. This portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Ancestry.com. Uh, it's been more than 75 years since many courageous soldiers, including my grandfather, maybe even yours, left home to fight for the highest possible purpose. Explore Ancestry's new collection of untold stories from World War II. Then find and honor the veterans in your family who served. You may be familiar with the major events and battles of World War II, but there are so many more stories to uncover. Discover the diverse perspectives of those who were there and learn about the untold stories of the men and women who faced World War II with dignity and courage. The skill and bravery of the Tuskegee Airmen, for example, the all-African-American squad of fighter pilots, or the incredible women who trained to become pilots and mechanics, or the Japanese-American battalion that became one of America's most decorated units despite discrimination against Japanese-Americans at the time. In honor of the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II, Ancestry has just released a U.S. draft card collection. With over 36 million draft cards completed by fighting-age men in the United States across the country during that time, whether they ended up serving or not, there's a great chance you could find your relatives in this collection, and it can be a help for you to learn more about what their lives were like. Uncover your ancestors' personal details in our World War II U.S. draft card collection, which shows details like home addresses, physical descriptions, and more. Find and honor the veterans in your family who rose to the occasion when the world needed them the most and get a new take on the World War II experience. Discover your untold stories and more. Head to my URL at Ancestry.com slash Daily Beans to start discovering your story today. That's Ancestry.com slash Daily Beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, joining me today for the interview, again this week, it's like a, we were just 
we're we're lucky uh, is friend, real life lawyer, real life friend, and co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast, Andrew Torres. Andrew, how are you? I am fantastic. Nothing makes me happier than coming back on the show. So twice in one week, I feel doubly. That's weird. Uh, that's a weird thing to really, really like. But thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he, here's why I have you back on the show today. Um, as we all know, uh, people had am- Amakai uh, or Amiki had until today at noon. Uh, no. Yes. Was it today at noon or yesterday at noon? Yeah, today. Today at noon. Today at noon. It's usually uh, midnight, but today at noon to file their amicus briefs with uh, Judge Sullivan in the Michael Flynn case. And uh, we have two really big bits of news for you in this. First, uh, we got retired Judge Gleason's amicus brief. uh, And his brief is really good. You need to read it. It's 82 pages long. Um, First... Uh, he he gives two reasons why Judge Sullivan should basically deny the Department of Justice's motion to dismiss this case and the pressure put on him in the writ of mandamus filed by the Department of Justice to act now. Um, first, he says the requirement of judicial approval entitles the judge to obtain and evaluate the prosecutor's reasons. And he cites United States v. Amadown. Um, 1973. He says here, the government statement of reasons for seeking dismissal is pretextual. In this particular Flynn case, the government claims um, there is insufficient evidence to prove materiality and falsity, but even giving it the benefit of every doubt and recognizing its prerogative to assess the strength of its own case, this contention, quote, taxes the credulity of the credulous. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, the government's ostensible grounds for seeking dismissal are conclusively disproven by its own briefs filed earlier in this very proceeding. They contradict and ignore this court's prior orders, which constitute law of the case. They are riddled with inexplicable and elementary errors of law and fact, and they depart from positions that the government has taken in other cases. While Rule 48A does not require the government to bear its innermost secrets, it does require a statement of its reasons for dismissal. See Amadon. He said then, explaining that this requirement prevents the abuse of uncontrolled power of dismissal previously enjoyed by prosecutors. Leave of court should not be granted when the explanations the government puts forth are not credible as the real reasons for its dismissal of a criminal charge. So he does not mince words. Uh, That is all on page one. (laughs) (laughs) That's like, that's his page one. So his brief came out today. And the other little bit of news that I can share, uh, which I would like Andrew Torres to comment on, uh, is that you filed an amicus brief and we all thought there would be hundreds uh, because Sullivan even put in his minute order, hey, don't go crazy. Uh, You know, quoted Judge Beryl Howell, this is no free for all. And it turns out by noon today, there were only six amicus briefs filed uh, in this case, which blows my mind. And one of them is Judge Gleason. Another one is your amicus brief. Can you uh, briefly remind us, briefly, haha, what your uh, <laughs> what your uh, filing, what your amicus filing said? Yeah, so 
Judge Gleason was in the delightful space, uh, which I envy, of having been appointed by the court to kind of essentially write an opposition brief, right? So his brief is 800 pages, 82 pages long, uh, <laughs> and he got to he got to talk about everything, which you know, as you know from our conversations, I would have loved to have talked about everything. Um, I I was not in that spot. We and and it's usually good advice if you were a part trying to file an amicus brief to pick one specific legal issue and then just sort of research the hell out of that issue. And hopefully you'll come up with something that the court finds helpful. So I focused in on pages 10 to 11 of the government's motion to dismiss, um, which which basically, um, well, I guess if were I the wordsmith that Judge Gleason is, uh, I would say, which lie about the state of the law with respect to, to Rule 48A. Um, instead, I said something in my brief like, well, they're, you know, it's misleading citations about what Rule 48A is. And Rule 48A is the authority for a prosecutor to move to dismiss, right? And the government says, oh, look, like... Uh, the prosecutor has unfettered discretion to move to dismiss. And, you know, they can even move to dismiss when, uh, you know, in cases in which the defendant has pled guilty. Um, and, and what I wanted to do really was unpack that kind of glib assertion, um, which, uh, which isn't true. So I'm, I'm super happy with my brief, but, but I have to tell you, I have been forwarding judge Gleason's brief to everyone I know today. Uh, and when I do it via text, it's just with the John Gleason's brief is, and then I use the little fire icon emoji thing, uh, because yeah, I spent multiple weeks, like my, my associate, uh, uh, Morgan is, is, uh, is, is super angry with me right now because I, you know, I spent two weeks kind of taking our drafts, uh, which were, you know, written with the white hot theory of, uh, you know, folks who live in this world uh, and then being like, all right, well, we got to lawyer that up a little bit like that. And, and Jeff Gleason was like, nope, like zero fucks given. Dude, dude, taxes the credulity of the credulous. <laughs> Just... uh, the, the, the best part about that is that comes from a Scalia descent. Right. So it is. Yeah, it is. It's not just stabbing you in with the knife and twisting, but like, you know, finding uh, uh, lemon juice to pour on the wound. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way. Yeah. I wish he would have. I wish he would have put in the brief, by the way, that is from, you know, uh, yeah, that's it's from your from your hero, folks. Yeah. That's incredible. I didn't know that. I didn't know. I knew it was from a. I knew it was case law from Amadown, but I didn't know that that was a, a, that descent. <laughs> That's even that makes it more amazing. Question for you, because you and I spoke uh, last night. We talked like nerds because that's what we do. Um, your about your brief. You filed a twenty-four page brief, and you told me that the reason it was only twenty-four pages is because there's a twenty-five page limit. But Judge Gleason's is eighty-two pages. How does he get away with that? I mean, I'm not mad. No, no, no. Not, not, neither am I. Um, I again, the, like the um, legal professional, uh, read nerd that I am, I, I have been refreshing the docket entries on the CMECF system for this case. Um, when when Judge Gleason filed his brief, which, by the way, he filed 50 minutes late. So, you know, but, oh. but I guess, yeah, no, you get to do that. Maybe uh, he was in Kansas. Yeah, <laughs> it's impossible. Um, 
but it also contains a motion for leave to file excess pages. So in other words, I could have done, I could have written an 80 page brief, but like I also had to file a motion just for the court, you know, for, for the court to receive the amicus brief. Right. So I, so I decided I was not going to risk that. I'm like, all right, I'm asking you for one favor. Take a look at this thing I wrote. Uh, I'm at least going to write it within the rules. So it contains a, a motion to, uh, to file an overlength brief. And then 10 minutes later, and I've, I've never seen this. This is, this is fantastic. Um, a minute order was entered uh, by judge Sullivan that, that reads as follows minute order treating as opposed and granting the motion over objection for the motion for leave to file excess pages. And then I, I don't know if there was a telephone call. Maybe this was the delay in the filing. Like, I, you know, I've got to go by the, the written record. So I'm just sort of piecing it backwards. But it says, Mr. Flynn does not consent to the court-appointed amicus curiae's request. And the government does not oppose the request. So, I, so Sullivan must have gotten them on the phone and said, hey, uh, my guy wants to file an overlength brief. You don't oppose that, do you? And Sidney Powell was like, well, actually. So, yeah. And that's a stupid thing to do uh, because, and then there's a citation later on. Again, we're now two for two on Judge Sullivan putting citations into minute orders, which is kind of amazing. Um, (laughs) But the court has unvettered, you know, unfettered discretion to, like, grant overlay groups. Like, of course they did. And And it's why you never, ever oppose it. He has sole discretion to decide that as well. And but that's interesting. So he filed over the 25 page limit. He filed 50, five zero minutes late and asked for a leave of court to file more. Now, just so everybody knows, uh, leave of court means asking permission. That's all that means. Yeah. Um, and 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 then he called up Sidney Powell and the DOJ and said, you cool? cool bro and and sh- and in the doj's like yeah fine <laughs> and sydney powell's like no i'm gang i'm sydney powell no no fox news and so here we are <laughs> well and and let me let me modify that just to, just a tiny bit right the language is the government does not oppose the request which which again i want to point out um having done this and been the recipient of it on you know hundreds of occasions like that's the the sort of snippy like no i don't really agree uh but Ah, you know i'm not gonna go on the record as opposing right i don't i don't oppose the request is different than yeah yeah i consent right that that that's your significant other saying well i apologize that you feel that way (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of the uh the sort of equivalent of that. Oh, I don't, I don't oppose it. Uh, right, right. Uh, but, so, but yeah, still, so I mean, DOJ for the went DOJ, as, far as a reasonable person would, and then Sidney Powell went, you know, several steps beyond that. No surprise for the DOJ to not oppose it. That's actually kind of a big deal, considering everything that else they've done in the Flynn case in the last <laughs> four months. But uh, you know, since the actual prosecutors left the case um, and, and left it up to Tim Shea and now Sherwin ask Sherwin Williams. And then of course, <laughs> uh, whoever, you know, it's like who there's like, there should be a game show. Who's the DC U S attorney today. And we don't know. Uh, it's, it's a guy named Sherwin. Um, but in any case, uh, it very interesting. Um, so, so he filed a minute order and cited case law again for the second time, two for two batting a thousand, 
saying, yes, you can file more pages. Um, but the, what he filed is the word economy is so stark. <laughs> uh, he's just every single word is like the government is full of shit. And here he's his case citations, his case law citations are are just like a plus, man. There's like how many are in there? There's like 40 in there and and just he's he's uh got all of his ducks in a row i don't know who his team is i know he didn't do this by himself uh because he only had 10 days to do it but holy majoli that that 82 pages is packed and i really recommend everybody read it it is it is fire emoji yeah um so he's at uh he's at devon plumpton which is you know a huge uh firm um i'm i i, I endorse that a hundred percent this brief in my brief are readable <laughs> right there look they're readable for a lay person yes there's some weird like law conventions that you know uh that that will strike you as odd but you know like like no odder than you know ordering at a chip shop in london right like it's yeah. you, you can get through it um he had a team of uh, partners and associates working on this. And I will tell you, slightly jealous because until uh, until Gleason filed his amicus brief, um, mine had the most case citations in it. So, you know, it's a, oh. a little, oh, yeah, then we had a measuring contest and you I did. came up short and it was sad. But, um, <laughs> but no, it's... That, that is... <laughs> That is a really weird. That is a really weird dick waving contest. Like, yeah, oh, well. who's got more case citations? Well, <laughs> no, look, like it, 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 it. it <laughs> uh, he he went into more areas than I did. That's not a euphemism. That's that's just describing it, it, the actual it is, though, content every, of the brief. Everything is now, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so. um, but no, it's look. It's exceptionally well written, and uh, uh, again, the thing that Gleason does that um, that I was not going to tag, you know, because I was not asked by the court to evaluate the entire case. Correct. Um, so his recitation of the facts is is really exceptional, mm-hmm. right? In, in mine, what I focus on is um, I, I wanted to remind Judge Sullivan using mostly quotations from Judge Sullivan himself during tra- the various transcripts of oral arguments, like just how much of a scumbag Michael Flynn is, right? <laughs> um, I'm sure he still knows, right? But 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 in terms of evaluating what's in front of him, right, to be able to say like, hey, look, the government is, p- is, is pitching this as if it's a charging decision of prosecutorial discretion, but this isn't. Right. This guy is a scumbag that you showed leniency to a year ago, and they're trying to use a procedural quirk of that to take away your authority to sentence him. And they're arguing in this court and they've, you know, and, and Sidney Powell is something mandamus in the D.C. Circuit. That hearing is Friday, by the way, and should be amazing um, to, <laughs> to tell you, you don't have the power to even look into this and you should be mad about that. So. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm gratified that mine overlaps well with Gleason's. I will tell you other than an, an organization, um, that is called, and what are they called again? I got to look here. Steady state, which I had not heard of. They are former intelligence officers. Um, other than that, uh, all of the other, uh, amici that came in are pro Trump. Right. And they range from, you know, crazy people and criminals 
to, to the national uh, th- th- people that are more <laughs> criminals. <laughs> yeah, and, but also, but also that the National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers, right? Who uh, it, it it would take a while to kind of unpack that. Might do that on my show tomorrow. Um, but uh, it, it's um, they weighed in on the no expanding discretion under Rule Forty Eight A, and and I can understand that in the sense that the more discretion you hand to judges, right, the the more power you give, you know, to conservative judges who have, you know, poor black defendants in there with, you know, pot charge in front of them. So I, I can understand that process, but, you know, obviously didn't agree with it in this case. And, and I tried well, to craft yeah. our and, brief in such a way that it only comes down on politically connected scumbags. And the next time Bill Barr intervenes on behalf of a black defendant that was accused of, ha- of, of having drugs on him, drug possession, then maybe we can have that discussion. But that's not happened. And I, and I think, in fact, we talked about that of the 60,000 cases, how many uh, were not friends of Trump that you intervened in, and I and I will say this, and I, I I've you know read this brief, read your brief. I haven't read the other uh, four uh, Amiki briefs, but one thing I've noted: all of the prosecutorial filings that we've seen over the last three years, and I've only been looking at this shit for three years since the Mueller investigation, two and a half years. All of the filings by the government and prosecutors have been just incredibly cited and sourced and well-written and understandable to both lay people and the and legal legalese. And everything filed uh, on behalf of Flynn or any, any of these defendants or Concord Management or by the DOJ <laughs> is just a pile of trash. And, and so I'm really looking forward uh, to what happens Friday, like you said. Uh, in this hearing. And we'll talk again next week about that. I hope you'll come back and speak to us about that hearing and, and what happens with these, with these briefs and, and how the appellate court, uh, how they rule. So we'll, we'll, we'll find out soon. I'm, I'll be, I'll, my, my breath will be as baited as yours. So. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us. Everybody check out the opening arguments podcast. Uh, you can hear all about that, uh, Criminal National Defense Attorneys Association filing uh, tomorrow and uh, listen to it from then on because you'll really enjoy it. Andrew Torres, thanks for joining us. Uh, Thank you. All right, everybody, stick around. Right after this quick break, we are going to have the good news. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sunbasket. Like many people, uh, I've been socially distancing, working from home, trying to reduce unnecessary trips out. And if you're like me and you prefer you know, avoiding crowded grocery stores right now, I recommend trying Sunbasket. Sunbasket delivers healthy, delicious meals straight to your door, and it's perfect, tasty, delicious. It's it's a great solution for these COVID times. So Sunbasket has amazing recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences, too, including paleo, which is me. It's hard to find those, but they have paleo. They have gluten-free, Mediterranean, vegetarian and more. And they make it easy and convenient. Everything is pre-portioned and ready to prep and cook. You can enjoy a dinner full of organic produce and clean ingredients in as little as 15 minutes, no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen. We can unpack that sentence because it's really good for me. I suck in the kitchen. Uh, I burn jello. I have very little time in the day, so being able to do this in less than 15 minutes is awesome, and it's all prepped and easy. Uh, Each week, Sunbasket offers a wide range of recipes to choose from. 
you can order from recipes across their menu. You can skip a week or double up if you want on your favorite ones. And Sunbasket facilities, by the way, have the highest levels of food and employee safety, which is important to us at Daily Beans. And they reinforce strict adherence to their current operating procedures, but they've increased sanitization frequency in their distribution centers to protect your family and their employees. And right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order when you go to sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and then enter promo code dailybeans at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout for $35 off your order. sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and don't forget to enter promo code dailybeans. Hello, everybody, and welcome back for the good news block. Uh, I am joined by Mandy Reader. How are you doing, Mandy? Good, dude. It's been so long since we recorded uh, together, kind of, kind of together. Yes, it has. It's been like months. I mean, maybe yeah, like a couple of weeks at least. But when did we? I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's been a minute, but nonetheless, yes. here we are. Um, before we jump into good news, I have to share this not good news before, just because I have to express it and then we can save it with the good news. But, uh, someone tweeted this and this captures my sentiment entirely. Um, someone tweeted, I cannot overstate my revulsion that Trump will deliver a national address on race written by Stephen Miller on Juneteenth in Tulsa. No. Yes. Stephen Miller? I saw that he had a rally that was on that historic date. Yeah, he's going to oh do um, a rally uh, uh, and it's going to be in Tulsa and it's going to be on Juneteenth. And it's just, it's like you can't write this shit. But anyway, that's my bad news. <laughs> but, oh. That is really bad news. Yeah, um, it is. But, but there is good news. And... One of our listeners actually tweeted at us and asked me to share this with all of uh, with all of you and said, "Hey, you haven't shared this, and I'm disappointed." So I looked it up, and I don't know if you saw the documentary that came out uh, that that uh, had four progressive women running for Senate. Um, I didn't watch it, but I remember hearing about it. What is it called again? Yeah, it was called. I think it was called like "Burning Down the House" or something, and yes. it focused on four women. And AOC was the only one of the documentary who went on to win. But another one of the women who didn't win in 2018 has just won her primary this year. And Yay! her name is Paula Jean Swearingen, and she is in West Virginia. And she ran on Medicare for All and a Green New Deal. And I'm looking at this headline here, and it says, A battle cry from Appalachia. Progressive Paula Jean Swearingen wins the U.S. Senate primary in West Virginia. So now she has to go on to try to get rid of the Republican incumbent in November. But this is super exciting. She's really progressive. Uh, oh, it was called Knock Down the House. Sorry, not Burn Down the House. Knock Down the House. Knock Down the House. Okay, cool. Yeah, Knock Down the House. I really liked this documentary. So yeah, I'm I'm super excited. That is so exciting. She's she's super progressive. Yeah, that's hugely exciting. Yay! Yay! Thank you for sharing that. Okay, cool. Let's dive into the good news. We'll start off here with Kelly. Uh, Kelly says, speaking of Taiwan, I don't know if you heard our good news segment yesterday, Jordan, but uh, we there was a, a really good story from one of our listeners in Taiwan talking about how well they handled COVID. Uh, and it says, to follow up on the Taiwan good news stories Mandy read on, on the Daily Beans today, 
uh, Dr. Nirav Shah, who is the head of Maine CDC, just publicly thanked Taiwan for the donation of 30,000 N95 masks to Maine for our healthcare workers on today's daily COVID press briefing in Maine. Thank you, Taiwan. Thank you, Taiwan. That's awesome. Um, Anonymous says, I found out that there might be another Beans listener from my little New Hampshire town of Milford. Ooh! <laughs> I'm guessing that's because we shared that uh, there was a protest uh, of a thousand people in a small town in New Hampshire. So they must have deduced that it was their similar small town because I'm sure there weren't that many Black Lives Matter protests happening in small towns in New Hampshire. So I hope that you two Beans listeners in Milford find each other. Um, and become best friends. <laughs> yeah. We still need to get the Beans dating app up and going. Oh, my God. We do. We, we totally do. Beans date. Beans babies. Beanie babies. Ooh, beans make babies. Uh, um, <laughs> I think that there's going to be an explosion of both divorce, but also babies after the pandemic is over. I think so, too. It's a weird time for dating and love. It is. There's going to be a lot of broken homes after this. I think it's going to be like a roaring 20s vibe a little bit like oh my god all of the fucking can you imagine <laughs> yeah absolutely what's gonna happen oh god. holy smokes i know i was i was saying to a friend recently like i i feel like you know i, I reached 30 and i was like all right i'm gonna calm down in all these ways you know it's gonna be so different than my late 20s and just thinking about what my what i want to do uh, in in, term, in my personal life and also like travel wise after a vaccine comes out i'm like I want to rub up against strangers. <laughs> yeah. I want to live a little. I want to dance. I. It's like all this, uh, the, the not having the option to go out and do stuff is making me like want to climb the walls and act 21 again. Um, anyway, yep. next yep. good news story. This is from Jill. Jill says, while most of Georgia's primary election was a complete clusterfuck, we did get one bit of awesome news. Renee Unterman has represented the 45th district, which is an increasingly diverse area outside of the perimeter of Atlanta. She's a Republican that is best known for blocking legislation to get a backlog of rape kits processed and for being oh the God. female uh, and for being the female author of Georgia's disgusting fetal heartbeat bill. She was running for Jesus. Congress and her campaign signs plastered all over neighborhoods that said stand with Trump and defeat socialism. Well, Last night, she lost her Republican primary to Rich McCormick, a Republican who admitted he did not vote for Trump. Um, his Democratic opponent in November will be one of two badass women. One of them, Carolyn Boudreaux, got 4,000 more votes than McCormick. And all in all, Democrats showed up in numbers nearly double the Republicans. And I'm optimistic. Fuck yes. Fuck yes. I'm optimistic we will be flipping the state blue in November. Fuck yes. Good news from Georgia. Love it. Congratulations. Uh congratulations i really hope that that flips blue and i'm really thrilled even just with the progress of getting rid of the really trumpy uh republican nominee so oh yeah fuck yeah totally. all right good news all around there outside of the atrocity outside of yes outside of that <laughs> um this one is from mama c um that's kind of that's cute when i was growing up my best <laughs> friend uh my best friend's mom was i was also really close with and i called her mama g um, I don't know if she ever listens to this, but hey, Mama G. Um, Mama G, Lady G. <laughs> <Kidding>. uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Mama C says, AG, Mandy, and Jordan, you rock. I started listening about a year or so ago and have not missed an episode, even if I can't listen as soon as it drops. The three of you bring the news and swears in such a way uh, that I learn things, like when I watch Maddow. That is what AG is going for. Uh, last September, I left my emotionally abusive husband of 30 years. Um, in November. Holy shit. 
Yeah. In November, he was diagnosed with lymphoma, and for my children, I stepped back in to help with doctor's visits. Um, but I didn't. But but I didn't get back with him. In April, he was told he is cancer free, so I gave permission to cut most contact from him again. Though he started being somewhat uh, uh, nice to me since I have left. During all of this, I've been trying to figure out what path I should be on. Um, you see, I never went to college or got a degree. As when I was twenty-one, my first child arrived. Um, and then I raised a child with Asperger's syndrome. And so for many, many years, my job was only that of mom. A couple weeks ago, I keep losing track of time. One of the other listeners wrote in about a contact tracing course on Coursera, which is a, by the way, Jordan, it's a couple, a, a few of our listeners have written in about this. There's a, a short course that you can do, which helps you to become a COVID-19 contact tracer, which is hiring mm. all over the country. Um, mm. I went and found it and took the course and passed it. This week, I shared the certificate with my boss, the county clerk, and she forwarded it over to our, our county board of health. While that in itself is good news, the better news is that I have jumped in the deep end on this and I'm now taking a huge specialization certificate in, ep- in epidemiology that has five courses. Um, uh, I ho- Hopefully, I will eventually find my way to a degree, maybe. I am just happy at the moment to be bettering myself and to start learning again. I turned 50 in July, and I really want to find a job that doesn't include being at my coworker's stinky butts. <laughs> this is this, <laughs> this is for Jordan. And my yeah. and my wishy-washy supervisor who doesn't appreciate my assertiveness, let alone my fashion sense. So thank you, ladies and the fans. You have all helped me see that I don't have to wait to be given something and that I can give myself permission to not only take care of myself, but to also become a better person. I have barely been out of the house since March because of my immune system. So thank you for keeping me company and helping me to laugh. The confessions are awesome. I do miss them being daily as they were a highlight, but I am now just going to have to be satisfied with the good news. Sending love and blessings to you all. That is so beautiful. Congratulations on, you know, escaping an abusive relationship and now bettering yourself and setting boundaries. And I'm so proud of you. Yes. So much good stuff. Thank you for that wonderful letter. It feels amazing to be part of a project which is inspiring people to make really good changes in their life. So fucking congrats. Okay. Yeah. Next one. From AM. And they say, some very good boy news for you. I recently adopted a senior dog. I love dog stories. Um, If you want (laughs) to see pictures of my dog, follow me on Twitter at Mandy underscore reader, and I will share pictures of my beautiful baby with you. Uh, Sorry, I'm distracted. Um, I recently adopted a senior dog who was left behind when his owner passed away. The owner had no family, and his dogs were rescued and sent to foster homes. I spotted my guy uh, on a a site, uh, smashed the apply button, and finally got a chance to meet him after he rejected a few other adopters. Um, after half an hour, he was glued to my side and I knew that I had to take him no matter what. We're figuring things out and he's getting used to being in a city for the first time, but I'm so happy I can give this dude a good home for the rest of his life. He brings joy to all with his random Zoom call cameos and I can't wait to see how he reacts to the dog beach when I take him. I'm doing a ton of cleaning, feeding, and giving constant praise and rewards to him for accomplishing the most basic tasks and not eating trash. (laughs) Oh my god, let me reread this. I'm doing a ton of cleaning, feeding, and giving constant praise and rewards to the dog for accomplishing basic tasks and not eating trash. So it's a lot like living with a straight man. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Uh, I'm, I have to laugh at that. I'm gay. Um, <laughs> take care of yourselves, and thanks for bringing the beans every day. I love that. Congratulations on, on your new family member. 
yes yes oh it's hard also to find one right now mm-hmm. it's like hot commodity i know everyone wants it and it makes sense and i'm thrilled for all these dogs because there are so many parts of the country where they have to not to take it to a dark place but they have to euthanize so many beautiful yeah, babies and so it's been so wonderful to see so many folks rescue dogs. I'm I I'm the owner of a do- of a rescue dog, and yes, he's a little quirky, but aren't we all? <laughs> you know. Yes. Um. So so yes. I love this. Keep dude. The craziest dog I ever had was like when I was a kid, and it was a purebred golden retriever, and it was a fucking psychopath. And my mom actually wound up giving the dog back because he was like so so much energy. He was a great dog. He was just like so much energy mm-hmm. but yeah yeah just to say that that was like a purebred dog all babies are good babies but it's really heartening to of see course. um you know i mean and, and you know people have breeder dogs for all sorts of reasons you know uh right 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 yeah yeah just the stigma of like adopt adoptable dogs being like weirder or something yes it's like a, a stigma but let but please know you have a special place in my heart if you adopt a rescue um yes okay so this is our last good news story for today um I know a lot of you miss quarantine confessions, but we are going to keep sharing quarantine confessions. Please keep sending them in. Our second spinoff standalone quarantine confessions episode is hitting this weekend. So get your stories in before we compile that episode. Uh, uh, Do it ASAP. Um, All right. The last good news story for today is from Anonymous. And um, Anonymous says, um, I have been able to work throughout this entire quarantine, luckily. My coworkers and I were deemed essential, fucking essential. This left my <laughs> fucking essential over here. <laughs> um, <laughs> this left my wonderful wife at home every day with three kids under five years old. Whew. Wow. <laughs> I feel for her because as soon as I walk in the door, I'm greeted by three wonderful children and within seconds I'm annoyed by them. <laughs> <laughs> That's not my confession though. In fact, this is more of a good news story. Um, since the start of this, the kids have not been able to really go outside much. We would go on walks around the neighborhood every few days, but this would prove to not be enough for them, as when we were home, the two older kids, three and four years old, would take turns climbing on top of their dresser and jumping from that dresser over the frame of my daughter's currently upside-down Ikea loft bed. Um. Oh my god. (laughs) From the dresser to the bed, each of them had... Oh no. Yeah, from the dresser to the bed, each of them had to clear an extra foot of headboard to make it onto the bed below. They do this whether the other is in the room with them or not, and when we catch them doing this, we have told them every time that just climbing onto the dresser is dangerous enough and to please not pull these stunts. <laughs> and I, stunts. I, I see where this oh. is going. I have a scar on my forehead because I wouldn't stop jumping on the sofa and I like yep. tumbled forward and hit my head on the coffee table. Yep. I've got a similar one on my chin. Yep. I tried to fly down the stairs because my dad told me I could do anything <laughs> if I put my mind to it. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to fly. And then I jumped and then I busted open my chin. <laughs> <laughs> oh god parenting is a lot dude thanks for getting me through that yeah. shit mom really appreciate you keeping me alive yeah. shout shout out yeah. shout out to parents um yeah. shout out to parents um especially at a time like this by sending you my love um i can barely handle my dog barking because all the neighbors are home so anyway all right so four weeks ago my daughter let out a blood curdling scream we knew where this no. was going we, I know. We knew where Blood this was Blood curling. Going. Could have predicted that yeah. adjective, too. Um, after we heard a thud come from her room. Ooh, a thud. 
Ugh. Ugh. Thud is never a good noise. No, no, no. Um, we run into the room and her leg has this massive bruise on it. She jumped a little too far. And while most of her body made it onto the bed, her leg hit the edge of the bed of her bed in the Oof. floor. We later found out after two trips to the ER that she had actually broken her femur above the right knee. And her leg has oh been gosh. in a full cast ever since. Oof. So it's a pandemic. They can't go to school. They're stuck at home. And she, her leg's in a cast. That is. Oh, God. This has made it so she can't bathe, can't go on the walks we were going on. And now oh, just no. as everything is opening up again, we are still staying home because there isn't much that she can do. Well, on Wednesday, she will finally get the cast off. And I can't wait to see how much butt this kid is going to kick with her newfound freedom. Hopefully, it involves a little less of the dangerous stunt work that put her in a cast in the first place. Congratulations uh, to your to your daughter for getting her cast off. Yes. I hope that parks are open and you can take them to go run around and get some fresh air. <laughs> Seriously? That's the thing. It's like, it's just, a, you're a never-ending ball of energy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, poor parents just... Dude, all those that is brutal. you turn your back for five seconds Ugh. in disaster strikes they finish off and say thank you for your wonderful podcast and thank you for everything you do thank you guys i love your good yes. news stories um me too much appreciated mm-hmm. thank you thank you for compiling them all the time and yeah so fun mm-hmm. all right well do you have any final thoughts Please don't let up on this moment in time. Don't stop posting about uh, about this movement uh, with the Black Lives Matter and and all of the the pressure. Mm-hmm. Keep it, you know, do other things. Rest. Yep. Allow yourself to feel joy. Allow yourself to like take a break from it. But like, yep. don't let up. And in general, also, please make sure everyone is registered to vote. Just we have to. Um, it's important to laugh and and it's important to rest and it's important to like do other shit but like don't take your foot off the gas right now people um Mm -hmm. super important so Mm -hmm. if you have a little something on your to-do list that you were going to set aside an hour to do if it's whether it's like volunteering or activism or voter registration or a conversation that you want to have like just tick off that next little thing on your list because it makes a difference if we all if we all do this together totally i love that thank you so much for saying that yeah yeah absolutely i have i was listening to angela davis i just looked her up on podcast just to see like what i was looking for a, like a like some i guess more of like a biographical podcast mm-hmm. but there's actually just a bunch of her lectures that are already publicly available through the podcast app and i listened to one and it was like yeah she's she's such an incredible speaker and it was like really quality like brilliant lecturing it was fucking yeah she's amazing i admittedly have never heard her lectures before and i was completely blown away and immediately just like oh okay yes 100 Mm percent this is why you know she's regarded as such like a fucking badass i also like want to say you know i want to say without sounding horribly like patronizing but i just want to say thank you to everyone out there who is like having really exhausting conversations with their white friends and like 
trying to like patiently hold space for them even though they're experiencing like so much grief and trauma and frustration and like it is not your fucking responsibility as a person of of color to hold space for white people right now at all like at all but um for those of you who are like exhausting yourselves and having these conversations with your white friends you know it's like welcome on board bitch we knew this stuff um (laughs) thank you for your patience and um and uh you know um and thank you for your your empathy as we as some of us are navigating conversations that we should have had a long fucking time ago so yeah absolutely well said thank you Mm -hmm. thank you so much um everybody that's been our show thank you i know it was kind of a long one uh anytime ag isn't here it's like we just we just get to talking mostly (laughs) myself (laughs) i take full blame for that on this episode yeah it's hard to gauge when you're alone when you should shut the fuck up you know (laughs) (laughs) oh jordan i love Um, you (laughs) yes but but uh but thank you everybody um take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet take care of mental health i've been jordan coburn I've been Mana Reader. And them's the Beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reader. Fact checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reader. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reader with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>